To me, he's the, the, the definitive Van Helsing. Hugh Jackman can f*** off. Radio Drome. It's another blood-sucking episode of Radio Drome. And I'm not sure if we suck the blood or you suck our blood, but I'm Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil Toothless Vampire Trachtenberg. It certainly does suck. That That is what you do with a vacuum, yes. Potor, the not-quite-vampire, but he kind of wishes he were in an Anne Rice movie. Peter? Let me dance on him, Pa. It'll be so good. <laughs> We're going to be talking about vampires tonight. But before that, if you want to talk about some other things that suck, maybe not in the way you're thinking, you go to adamandeve.com. Freaking smooth, aren't I? <laughs> adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, and you will get 10 free gifts on top of whatever you order. You'll get six free DVDs, a free mystery gift for a mystery gender, a gift for him, a gift for her, and free U.S. shipping, all for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. And I'm sure there'll be sucking involved, and if they're kinky enough, maybe blood. We're going to talk about what the hell happened to vampires. I know, Cecil, I don't remember if you've said this publicly or not, but I know you and I and Peter have talked about this behind the scenes before. What the hell happened to vampires? At what point did you notice vampires stop being cool? Stephanie Meyer is what happened to vampires. She, because uh, we had, the problem is, I don't have an issue with there being the, the movies Twilight and whatnot. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I don't like them, but they have every right to exist. They came along and really just, like, made vampires sissies made werewolves mm-hmm. sissies too we stopped getting badasses like blade you know the even the interview with the vampire vampires the the Anne rice vampires where it was all this theatrics and and See, whatnot. I, I was gonna say to me that's where the swish started to come in was pre-stephanie meyer i don't agree with you on the Anne rice stuff but we'll discuss that later well i just think that like like that it, it, you would figure that you know uh, beings that have been around that long are going to kind of come from that time where everything has a lot more theatrics to it. And they were and the thing is, the Anne Rice vampires, they're not sissies. They're, you know, they might be a little uh, you know, light and loafers kind of, but they'll still kill you. Brad and Pitt was pretty sissy. Uh, but he was the quote unquote hero of the thing. So he kind of was going against the whole thing. Whereas you had, you know, Antonio Banderas and you had Tom Cruise and all of them were vicious. I mean, they, they, you know, killed people. They, I mean, Kirsten Dunst was the kid that never grew up. And because she wronged them, they left her to die. Like, I mean, it was, it was vicious, you know? So, uh, whereas Twilight, you know, the, the worst thing that happened was, a, was all a flashback. It was so lame. The the big the, the big ending battle. If I'm spoiling it for anybody, I'm sorry. But like the whole big ending battle where like all the vampires and all the werewolves died, it was all like this is what might happen if we do. Oh, stop it! 
It's kind of hard not to not to agree with Cecil there because really the the Stephanie Meyer stuff really absolutely pussified vampires completely. It, it took away everything that made them vampires. Like suddenly they can they can go out during the daytime, not murderers. They don't drink blood of people. Flaws have pretty much completely been thrown to the wayside, and they've become these like just very pussified, meant-for-tweens kind of characters. They were already kind of maybe possibly becoming uncool. There were already shows coming about like Vampire Diaries and True Blood, and Blade Trinity was just so horrendously received. Not even just Stephanie Meyer uh, coming onto the scene. Vampires are just... the, The genre has been around so long and has become so diluted and so oversaturated that it's almost fluke luck that it managed to be as awesome as it was for as long as it was because i i think it it held up pretty good for a while and it went through some cool like evolutions with you know with uh where it would would transition to villains and comic books or movies like near dark first two blade movies and then it finally kind of started to dwindle down and uh I really have to give it credit for being cool as long as it was because it's really, in my opinion, only really started to suck since probably 2000s, I would say. Like, like 05, 06, uh, vampires started to suck. So then, like, to me, I, I kind of see, like I said earlier with Cecil, I see this kind of going back to Anne Rice in the 80s. Hers were totally pussified, as Cecil did point out, and they're they're way less so in the in the books and the comic books. What I didn't, what I never never got was the whole sexy vampire kind of thing. Like when I think of a vampire, I think of Bela Lugosi, and yes, I know he was supposed to be a sex symbol in the 30s, but like Bela Lugosi or Max Schreck or even Klaus Kinski as Nosferatu, which would be Count Orlock. That's what I think of as a vampire. I don't think of them being overly effeminate and theatrical and beautiful and this like tragic figure that people want to emulate. They're supposed to be a disgusting, dirty curse that's put on somebody, not something someone should aspire to. For instance, Joseph Michael Linsner wrote this comic in Cry for Dawn. The character was named Esk, and he was very much a punk rock vampire. Uh, he actually got turned into a vampire. Well, he he got raped at a Sex Pistols show in 77 and got bit by the vampire that turned him. He gets tracked down by this mohawk-wearing, leather leather jacket, punk rock girl who wants to be a vampire just like him. And he goes, you read a lot of Anne Rice? She goes, yeah, it's awesome! And he just slits her throat. That's kind of what it started to become by the late 80s. It started to be cool to be a vampire. Where do you, What do you see more as a vampire? The Max Shreks and the Bello Lugosi's or the Lestats? Neither, really. I mean, um, I kind of see uh, a mixture of a lot of different things because I, I kind of, you know, the, the vampires from Near Dark, vampires from Blade, the vampires from... John Carpenter's vampires because they're they're so there's so much variety in them from movies, from books, from television that uh, even uh, Moonlight, which was a a really good show that should not have been canceled. I'll I'll disagree with you on that. I, I, I watched my wife watch the show. 
So I saw all like 18 episodes and there were some good ideas in it, but I think it that was very much a an offshoot of the Stephanie Meyerism. They tried to make these vampires sexy in that show. They well the thing was that uh, there's a difference between trying to make them sexy like they did with the with the Twilight thing where they're you know where they they don't burn in the sun, they just sparkle and they're 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 beautiful as opposed to having attractive people playing vampires like there still was a lot of you know mean streak things that happened on the show and a lot of like going into their past and whatnot that i really enjoyed it just so happened that the uh, you know the vampires were good looking people so i see a big difference between sexifying vampires and just having attractive people in roles that happen to be vampires there's a difference so I'm kind of all over the map with 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 the way that vampires are are seen. You know, uh, I I didn't I obviously <laughs> didn't grow up with the Bela Lugosi uh, vampires, and I liked the old black and white vampire movies and whatnot. But I kind of for me I resonate a little bit more with like more of like the '80s vampires, the Lost Boys, and that sort of thing. I, I I'm gonna say this right now. You had the hots for dracula's wives in monster squad didn't you the ones that rudy took down well who didn't exactly <laughs> hey i didn't say i didn't right I just said i know you did thank you you just reminded me and I forgot uh, about oh, them, huh? i i certainly did it reminded me that i need to watch the monster squad again definitely sway more toward uh you know the lost boys type vampires and near dark the blade that is was more what i grew up with because i you know i grew up in kind of the the earlier 90s so i grew up watching tapes from the 80s and movies on tv and stuff like that but i i still appreciate the bella lugosi stuff and and through that i can see why there's an eroticism to vampires because even if Nosferatu was this like really ugly looking vampire type thing, the the character through the Universal movies and even through the Hammer movies evolved into more of a kind of seductive character where, you know, he would lure women in with either sort of mind powers or his, you know, seductive nature or whatever. So I can see how that translated into, you know, where the Lost Boys are kind of like the cool rocker kids and in near dark they're kind of like you know the like outlaw dudes that are badass so i could see how it would become this this appealing thing but at the same time even with you know with movies like blade uh there's always a drawback because being a vampire ultimately it sucks you you can't go out in the daytime you can't eat anything or drink anything other than blood otherwise you'll wither away and die the sun hits you you wither away and die i think that's the whole point of vampires no matter what it is even if it's the whether it's the Anne Rice stuff the Blade stuff the Max Shrek stuff vampires still need to hold to that sort of anti-heroic aspect of it where it ultimately does suck to be one and even the the vampire himself has moments where he thinks about how how much better it would be to be human which is why I I really can't stand uh, the Twilight shit. I can even, I can look past Vampire Diaries and, and True Blood because, I don't know, at least they still drink blood and, and kill people. I, I guess I still won't f***ing watch it. Unl unlike Twilight, you know, at least they're still doing traditional vampire shit and I can look at that and go, they're vampires, not vampires I would watch. Whereas Twilight, uh, it, it can call itself part of the uh, vampire genre all at once and uh, 
it can, uh, what was it, like Fangoria or Rue Morgue magazine considered it to be in the horror genre. I, I don't care if that's uh, canon or not or who wrote it or what article it was in. Fuck that shit. Twilight's not a part of horror and it's not a part of vampires. And in my mind, it never will be. And I'll go to my damn grave saying that. Now, we all think of vampires in the traditional sense, whether it's the modern traditional or the older style traditional. What about when a movie or something really breaks the mold and tries to do something different with vampires, such as the highly underrated Daybreakers or like George Romero's very unique take, which I didn't think was done very well, but it was much more well written than it was achieved, Martin, where like in Martin, he's a vampire in the fact that he thinks he's a vampire. He doesn't have superpowers. He doesn't melt in the sun. He's not super strong. He just, he thinks he has to drink blood. So he carries razor blades around in syringes and kills people and takes blood from their necks because he's fucking crazy. Or daybreakers where vampires run the earth and humans are, are, the, are the prey, are the renegades. Do you think that is born out of how traditional vampires and how much they are inundated in our movie and TV culture that it's they're so everywhere you really do recognize when something unique comes out? Oh, God, yeah. Daybreakers was kick-ass. I was a it was, little. It was a little convenient how they got how Willem Dafoe got cured. Other than that, I thought it was a damn near flawless movie, and the twist at the end was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, it. No, every now and then a movie will come along, and they'll have a lot of really good ideas, and it'll be done well. And uh, yeah, I'm willing to forgive them for a little plot convenience here and there. But when you're watching a film, when it's like everything is just like, oh, come on. But no, Daybreakers is not like that. Daybreakers was Willem just... Willem Dafoe with a crossbow as an ex-vampire? Yes. Yeah, pretty kick-ass. And I, I thought that uh, I thought the concept was great. I thought it was well done. I thought it was like just, just really cool across the board. Definitely, uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's a really cool-ass vampire movie. Well, it's kind of a it's it's a very non-traditional vampire movie it's which almost is a post-apocalyptic kind of ish yeah it's it's weird but it's it's very good another one that is a non-traditional vampire movie that uh kind of got overlooked is a movie called suck it's kind of a rock not a rock opera but like it's a rock it's it's uh, I, I guess you could kind of put it a little bit in line with like the Rocky Horror Picture Show where it's kind of pushed. It's this rock and roll band. The girl in the band gets bit by a vampire. And so they're traveling across the country. She's running into different people. And, and the ca- the the cameos are ridiculous. Uh, Henry Rollins is in it. Uh, uh, Freaking uh, was I think Al- Alice not- Cooper. Alice Cooper's in. Okay, Alice, I'm trying to remember because it's been a while since I saw it. But yeah, Alice yeah. Cooper's in a whole, just a slew of people. And as they're traveling around and she's turning the rest of the band into vampires, they get better as a band and they become more popular. And it's it's a little weird. It's not for everybody. But uh, I thought it was cool because it was such a, like like I said, a very non-traditional vampire movie. It, sound, and, it sounds kind of like what if Queen of the Damned didn't suck ass? Yeah, I think that that is kind of kind of more apt. The thing is, I never read the Queen of the Damned book, 
So, but apparently they really messed up the movie version. <laughs> okay, part of the problem with the movie version, and I'm going to defend the Queen of the Damned a little bit on this, is they said it then, you know, currently in the early 2000s when it was made, that story only works in the 80s. The story as written would still work if they had set the movie in the 1980s. That movie, if you read the book and then watch the movie, you kind of go, that's what they screwed up. The reason the book works-ish is it's set in the 1980s. That's when you could have done this stuff. It does not work in the internet era. So that was the problem is they made it a contemporary piece instead of an 80s period piece. Well, just thinking about day uh, Daybreakers now, because I, I watched it like a few years back and now I'm remembering it uh, and how much I liked it. Thinking about it, it really reminded me of an 80s John Carpenter film. In fact, it it reminds me more it of really an, did. No, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. I got this. I just got this asinine John Carpenter vibe off of that movie. It's more of a John Carpenter vampire movie than John Carpenter's vampires. It's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> it's very strange. It's the kind of vampire movie you would expect him to make. I mean, I like John Carpenter's vampires, but yeah. Daybreakers, Daybreakers is like, wow, this is like Escape from New York era John Carpenter. Like, it really has that kind of vibe to it, and it's, it kicks ass. I like it when uh, that is the, that's the good example of, of kind of deviating from the what you usually expect in a vampire movie while still being uh, a vampire movie. And and I agree with Cecil on, on suck Henry Rollins with that really goofy wig as the, uh, yes. the radio host. He almost looks like Scott Bakula or something. It's really fucking weird. Um, and Alice, Alice Cooper is like this old vampire. That's like giving the lead singer advice through like, like in her mind or something. It's a weird movie and I saw it a while ago, but I really, I really liked it. I'm, I'm on Cecil on that one. If uh, those that haven't seen it, definitely check that one out. If you want to see something that's kind of different, but still a good vampire movie, that's still about vampires that do vampire things, but just, and, and yeah, it's, it's a way better version of a uh, queen of the damned. I, I kind of, uh, I'm going to take it back a little bit what I said about uh, about Twilight. Uh, Queen of the Damned might be where it started with uh, vampires getting lame. Because all I remember is... The movie is, or the book? Books oh, the, the movie. The, the movie. Absolutely the movie. Because all I remember uh, when that movie came out and I saw it and then I'm just hearing every every girl my age is like, Lestat is my sex god. And I'm just, oh. Ah. Off. Like, ah. Possibly more than Twilight did because Queen of the Damned kind of it, it took that sort of blade aesthetic and just dumbed it the fuck down and just G-rated the shit out of it and it was just garbage. The thing about John Carpenter's vampires I don't like is maybe it would be an all right movie to me if I hadn't have read the John Stakely's vampires book that it's supposedly based on. I loved the book Vampires. You got to remember the book Vampires the S is a dollar sign. The book and the movie are exactly the same for the first 10 minutes. In the movie, it's following the book word for freaking word until the, until the hotel massacre about 10 to 15 minutes in. Then John Carpenter admits right on the DVD, I threw the book out and went in my own direction. His direction was terrible if you've read the book. That's one of those ones where I blame John Carpenter for not following the book. So maybe my problem with John Carpenter's vampires I, that the fact that I've I read the book. I've never read it. I didn't even know it was based on a book. Yeah, the book's way way better. <laughs> yeah, the book's, vampire the book's also dollar not, sign. 
the book is also not nearly so stupid as to shoot a machine gun multiple times to heat up the barrel to cauterize a wound. <laughs> Just one of the stupidest things I think I've ever seen in an action movie, and that, that says something. Be, that might be dumber than uh, Rambo putting the bullet in his wound and lighting it on fire or whatever. <laughs> if you're not the, the way I kind of I, I kind of did this was you know what if you're not going to take this seriously then neither am I. <laughs> Let's look at what are considered some of the best and worst vampire films. I pulled up a couple of lists. Now, The Village Voice, oh my God, is their list so wrong. Of the 20 best modern vampire films, 1979 to present, starting at number 20, Vamps, the Amy Heckerling film. What? I I didn't know that actually got released. <laughs> it came out haven't... in 2012. Well, okay, I, 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 I remember hearing a whole big fuss about it because it was an Amy Ackerling movie, and I didn't and know Alicia it ever. Alicia Silverstone returning to being cute again. Right, I knew she was in it. it was, it's Alicia Silverstone, and who's the other girl? Kristen Ritter. Oh, right, the girl from uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, I I didn't know it came out, so I, I can't it, say if it's good or it, bad. It's essentially, what if the Clueless girls were vampires? Seriously. Uh, it could work. Didn't. Not a, I, you know, I... I, I, I don't know. I can't say if it did or it didn't because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. hadn't heard of it up until this point, so uh, that, that list can suck my dick. <laughs> oh, I, I think that list can continue to suck your dick. Number 19, The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn Part 2. Ah, come on. Okay, Fright Night 2011. I hated this movie. But to be fair, I don't like the original Fright Night. I'm one of the weird people that thinks Fright Night 2 is the best movie in that franchise. You can all stake me through the heart later. But I didn't like the original Fright Night, and I thought the remake was even worse. I only saw about half of it, and uh, I wasn't... It was pretty bad, wasn't it? Uh, it was not the highlight of my year. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I just... Uh, like... I didn't like I, I just didn't like the way that they did it. I thought it was a little too a little too modernized. It also uh, came across as smarmy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it just didn't work. I mean, I I am willing to go back and watch it again because I've had a few people that are that were telling me that, no, no, it's really one of the better remakes. And and I did like it that they at least were trying to do things a little bit differently, which is always a big plus with me with remakes. But uh, I don't know. So that's another one where I only saw the only the part of it that I did see I didn't particularly care for, but I'm willing to go back and give it another shot. And I like I like Fright Night 2. I like Fright Night 2 a lot, but um, I, I have I a get soft spot. I a ton spot. of crap for liking Fright Night 2. Really? Yeah. But it's but it's a good movie. There's nothing wrong with Fright Night 2. I mean, I like Fright Night 1 better, but Fright Night 2 is, is a very solid follow-up. Uh, I don't think it's one of the worst remakes out there, but I just, I just plain don't really like Colin Farrell. I love Fright Night 1 and 2. I think they're those are great movies, and to me totally genre defining when it comes to vampire stuff that one really does a cool thing with um making it both modern and at the same time paying a lot of respect to like old school vampires uh, i think that they're both fright night one and two are really cool the remake uh i, I kind of just wish colin farrell would always be the character he is in true detective season two because that's the only time like i've ever liked him okay well the next one on the village voice list is 2014's vampire academy I don't know anything about this one other than it's written by the guy that wrote Heathers. That right there says, okay, it might be kind of dark, but I haven't seen it, so I pass. 
it's extremely dark and I liked it way more than I expected. Like I I went in not really knowing a whole lot about it. It has that very snappy dialogue that Heather's had. So basically the best way I can describe it, it's uh you know Heather's in a vampire movie. But um it it was clever. Uh I thought the effects were done uh, were well done. And uh, there was a lot of things that I just did not expect. I mean, there were, there were a few things where I'm like, okay, I saw that coming. But there were a few times where I'm like, holy shit, I genuinely wasn't expecting that. And uh, I, I thought it was it was very good. It's very, very much worth your time. I don't know how I don't know how you're going to like it. I mean, if you like Heather's, I think you might dig it. Haven't seen it, but Heather's is cool. So uh, I'll check it out. Okay, the next one on their list. I initially thought that they broke that they were going right to the beginning of their 1979 present. They put Thirst, and then I'm like, oh, the South Korean movie from 2009. I thought this was the cool human farming for vampires Aussie Thirst from 1979. Like that's a good movie. I don't know the South Korean movie. Either of you guys? No, no, I haven't seen that. No, I haven't seen that one either. Okay, then we move on to uh, Blade Two. I like Blade 2. Blade 2 is awesome. Blade 2 yeah. is the best of the trilogy. Blade 2 is a good movie for the first hour and ten minutes. Once the whole plot twist happens and you find out that Ron Perlman always knew the bomb wouldn't go off and Norman Reedus was always a plant, the entire film collapses in upon itself in the last half hour. I, I was so angry at how stupid the last half hour was. It ruined the good hour and ten minutes that preceded it for me. To I me, don't know. I, th- th- that movie just falls apart. The third act is horrendous. I expected Ron Perlman and, and Norman Reedus to be bad guys, though. I knew it from the beginning. Yeah, I was expecting that. I mean, they just the way that they were acting. I'm like, all right, they're they're going to be the bad guys, and I I, I liked the uh, the whole concept of it. The new like you know trifold vampires, what I don't remember what they called them, kicked all kinds of ass. They they gave them some wrestling moves this time around. Yeah, uh, you know uh, the action scenes. You could tell they had a much bigger budget this time around. It was Del Toro. Mm-hmm. It was it was Del Toro, you know, so it was much more stylized. And but overall, it also had it, a sewer level. It did have a sewer level, <laughs> and it was cool. Yeah, I like Blade Two a lot. Yeah, it's it's great. It ends with uh, or one of one part of the ending is uh is Blade suplexing vampire Ron Perlman. I mean, what right. more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's entertainment. Okay, the next movie. Even though I was making fun of Cecil about this before, I don't consider this a vampire movie, The Monster Squad. It's a fantastic movie. Yes, the the vampire is the main villain, but I don't consider this a vampire movie. It is a great one, though. It's a great movie. I, I adore it, but it's a monster movie. It, you know, it's 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 the you know, uh, it's not a vampire movie. I mean, he is the leader of the monsters. But it's yeah, it's not a just specifically a vampire movie. Yeah, this list is uh, officially deep throating me at this point. I okay. love Monster Squad, but it's not a fucking vampire movie. No, it isn't. Now the yeah. next film I think is one of the most brilliant screw movie histories ever. Shadow of the Vampire. I love the idea that Nosferatu was actually a documentary and not a fiction, not an adaptation of Dracula. I think Shadow of the Vampire is a brilliant film. I agree. That one does deserve to be on the list. That movie is, it's such a, a brilliant 
blend of, of satire and, and kind of giving off this idea that because Nosferatu is so old, like, what if it really was? Like, what if they... Because it, it makes you think. It's like if they didn't that they didn't have the budget to make it look make him look like a vampire, so they really got a real vampire. Willem Dafoe is just because uh, I believe he he plays uh, Max Shrek in the movie, right? Yeah, and yeah, John Malkovich is Murnau. Incredible. That is a that one definitely belongs on a, on a list of uh, top twenty vampire movies. That that movie kicks so much ass. No, I actually missed that one. Okay, well you need to check that one out. Now this definitely. next one. Everyone knows how much I hate this franchise. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I I saw the movie first because I saw it when it came out in 92. I was still in high school. I hated it from the the get-go. I walked out of the theater like, what the hell was that? Seriously, Pee Wee Herman's death scene is the only remotely funny thing in this supposed comedy. I don't mind the movie. I think it has has a lot of humor in it. it 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 was a victim of a lot of studio interference because they kept meddling and trying to make it like more serious and altering elements of it so i don't know what i mean the tv show was more in line with what joss whedon had intended so i kind of take him at his word that okay this is what it was supposed to be no no I, no because he he backdates his word my business partner and friend Hank Carlson did the did the vampire makeups on that movie. Joss Whedon was 100% on board with it until the critics savaged it. That's when he started screaming studio interference. Go back and read old Fangoria articles about the movie. Joss is 100% behind the movie until critics didn't like it. Because remember, Joss Whedon can't stand to not be liked. Well, the thing is, too, with I mean, how many actors and directors and whatnot have uh, when a movie is before it comes out, they're all, oh, yeah, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. No, you know? I'm talking Hank tells me stories on set when they're still mm-hmm. shooting it of Joss like, oh, that is amazing. That's perfect. And then it's the same way in the movie. So Joss just doesn't want to admit I made something people didn't like. So it's somebody else's fault. Can't stand if you don't think he's perfect. And Buffy is a perfect example of that. We'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. <laughs> it's too late to argue. I think the last time I saw that movie, I was 10. and No, I saw it again kind of more recently, too. I guess that's how forgettable it is. I, did, I really never really liked it that much. Doesn't, doesn't Rudger Hauer play the head vampire? Yes. He also plays Barlow in the, in the Salem's Lot remake, weirdly enough. Well, yeah. he, well the thing with, with Rudger Hauer was young Rudger Hauer from like Blade Runner was yeah. who Anne Rice had based uh, Lestat off of. Mm-hmm. And so he always wanted to play a vampire. So when he finally got the opportunity to do it for Buffy, he jumped at the chance. But by this time, he was old, older, out of shape, Rudger Hauer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next one on the list is the 1979 Werner Herzog Nosferatu with Klaus Kinski as Count Orlock. I love this movie. It's one of those remakes that I think actually kind of one-ups the original. Either of you guys seen the Nosferatu from 79? No, I haven't. That's, that's been on my list to watch for a while. No. Well, next one, I hated the remake and I thought the original was only okay. Let the right one in. I know Cecil loves it, so defend this, Cecil. Oh, dude, Let the Right One In is amazing. The whole, like, just oppressive feel of it. And the I don't want to spoil it, but um, the the way that the the kid was interacting with um, his 
Uh, I don't remember what he what they were co- basically his like. I'm assuming you're talking about the original at this point, not the remake, right? Oh god, well the the remake is Let Me In. Well, okay, you know what I mean. Right, but no, I'm talking about yes, I'm talking about the original. Yes, the original. It's it's just it's fantastic. His the way that they did it was was very cool, and I haven't seen it in, in a few years. The 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 way that they handled the relationship between. Uh, the between the the girl and and her handler and then and then uh, there is a major well there's a major difference in the book than what they they kind of went into it a little bit with the movie where it's really a, a boy but he's a girl and it's it's this whole big weird thing but I I just I I liked I liked it a lot I thought that uh, and the remake was okay but it was just like a it was like a cover tune it was like they. They did the movie, but they they kind of hit the notes, but it just didn't have the same feel as the original one. Yeah, I I agree that it deserves to be on the list. Uh, I think Cecil covered it really well. I think it's really is a it, it's one of those again I would call it kind of genre defining and in doing something different and actually doing something cool with uh, the vampire lore while still being a, a vampire movie. Well, now we'll go to one I saw seven times in the theater. Bram Stoker's Dracula from 92, which I think is one of the best special effects, creepy, old-style modern horror movies, if that makes sense, ever made. First of all, it's pretty close to the book, which I think is something that most movies screw up a lot. And also the fact that it looks fantastic. The performances are so good. I loved Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, just amazing movie. The performances are great. The set designs are great. Practical effects are just phenomenal. I mean, going into how different things were made in that, like it's all practicals. It's all practical. Like the part with the book where, uh, where they're writing in the book and there's the train going by in the background. And it's actually like the book is in the foreground and it's a model train in the background. They, They actually say on the DVD, I can't remember if it's Francis Ford Coppola or one of the producers that says they consider this one of the last pre-CGI movies that Hollywood made. Absolutely. Cause, and, but the thing is, that's part of what makes it so beautiful. And I, um, I had found out maybe a year and a half ago or so that my wife had never seen it. So I was like, you have to see this movie. And we sat down and she was just like blown away. She's like, I couldn't believe that she you know, hadn't seen it before. Just seeing it again, it just resonated so much more. It's because the the special effects, the costumes, just the care that was taken, the into lighting, the, the music. Oh, the lighting, the music, the like the little things, like the the brides coming out of the bed, and just the the way that things were done was just amazing. The shadows of of uh, Dracula in the background, like moving different, you know, moving on its own without Dracula, just so good just an absolutely amazing film that deserves every amount of acclaim it gets my only problem is the acting on two people keanu he's out of his depth but he's not too bad winona (laughs) Ryder is in another goddamn stratosphere she is overacting to a degree where shatner would go all right all right calm down now calm down i mean take me away from all this death Jesus Christ, woman, calm down. You know, you're in a movie with Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman, and they're nowhere near overacting as much as you. So to me, seriously. Drago! 
Yeah. <laughs> Winona Ryder pulls me out of that film because she is so brutally miscast in that movie. Other than that, it's it's an almost perfect film. Oh my god, that movie rules. It's it's a total movie of my childhood too. Like I remember watching that at a very young age on VHS and obviously being scared shitless of it, but just loving it for how it looked and just the the really like I think just the the opening of that film, the whole Vlad the Impaler thing deserves its own like detailed review of of just how awesome everything is during that scene and just how it's shot and like just how you know, all the bodies that are impaled in, in silhouette and, and the costume design and just Gary Oldman in general is fucking amazing in that goddamn Anthony movie. Hopkins is amazing yeah. in that as Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. To me, he's the, the, the definitive Van Helsing. Hugh Jackman can fuck off. We're going to have to breeze through a couple of these because we're running out of time. Next on the, on the Village Voice list would be The Hunger, 1983. Absolutely. I, I mean, it is a vampire movie. I consider it less of a vampire movie and more using the vampire analogy to deal with getting old. Cause really that's what it's about. But it, it is one of the most gorgeous films I have ever seen. Tony Scott shot the movie and this is usually used in a pejorative sense, but I'm not in here. He shot it like a music video and it worked. Haven't seen it in a while, but I remember really liking it. I I'm pretty sure I have a, a copy of the the DVD lying around somewhere, so I think I'll I'll watch that as I'm passing out tonight after my long ass shift. I saw it once a long time ago. I remember liking it, but I remember little else. Wasn't David Bowie in that? David Bowie, Catherine Deneau, this uh, unknown actor named Willem Dafoe, and, and Susan Sarandon. It- just listen to Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's Dead, just to know how awesome. Think of the whole movie as edited to that song. Then we come to one I haven't seen, Byzantium from 2012. I pass. Oh, Byzantium. Byzantium was really good. It was, uh, I actually didn't know. Uh, I had just heard that it was a good movie. And when I was doing my, you know, list for that year, that was one of the ones on the list that I kept hearing everybody rave about. And I checked out very, uh, another kind of non-traditional vampire movie. It's, it's all about like these, these vampires that are living in this hotel and um, they're they're kind of trying to stay out of the public spotlight, but like the you know things kind of keep creeping back to them. And uh, it, I I liked it. Um, what's her name? Uh, Saoirse Ronan was in it, and she was she was terrific. It was it was a cool movie. That one definitely I think you should check out. If, if for nothing else, for the production design, they did an amazing job with like the the sets and the locations and stuff. And it's not like a total. I mean, it it is a more current times vampire movie, but it has the feel of like an older vampire movie. No, I I have not, but uh, I'll I'll take Cecil's word for it and I'll check it out. Okay, the next one on their list was Let Me In, but we've already discussed that, so we're going to move past that. So they put Let Me In above... Ahead of Let the Right One In, yes. Oh, God. But they put the, the original and the remake on the list? That's... Okay, okay, that's it. I've, I've officially busted my load down the throat <laughs> of this f***ing list. All right, well, I haven't even heard of the... Ne- well, I haven't even heard of the next two. Trouble Every Day from ni- from 2001 and Nadja from 1994. Have either of you heard of those? No. Nope. <laughs> All right, and, and, well, and then number three is Only Lovers Left Alive, the Jim Jarmusch one, which I haven't seen. I'm assuming neither of you have. Haven't no, I want to see it, though. Well, I mean, that just... 
Uh, that just came out like not too long ago, right? 2013, so two oh, years. Oh, well, 2013. Oh, okay, God. For some reason, I thought that was a 2015. Tilda Swinton's in that one. Yep. Yeah, I I want to see it because I I thought it looked neat, but uh, God, it's another one where I didn't realize it was. <laughs> I didn't realize it's been out for two years. Well, and then we got Interview with the Vampire. Blech. At least they picked a like good. It. At least they picked a good number one. Near Dark. Wow. Which, fuck yeah. Nice. Arguably. That, that arguably is the best vampire movie ever made. Oh, Near I'm Dark's so... a fantastic movie. So yeah. sorry for knocking that list now. Now get some credit now. No, you, you're not sorry. No, they they tried to be cool at the end. That's, yeah, you're right. I've I've officially slapped this uh, list in the face with my still slightly hard cock. Dirty <laughs> Sanchezum. What are some of your favorite vampire movies that were not on the Village Voices? Like, what ones would you check out that we've not discussed? Mine would be. Vamp from 1986 with uh, Dee Dee Pfeiffer looking cute as hell. And I'm not usually a fan of Grace Jones, but wow, is she a perfect vampire queen. I would say the comedy that that Jim Carrey wishes he could forget, but is actually funny once bitten. A movie that I don't know if this makes it fail as a vampire movie, but succeed as a movie. When Miguel Ferrar as a sleazy as hell tabloid news reporter completely steals a vampire movie from the vampire in the night flyer not quite sure you succeeded as a vampire movie because night flyer you watch for miguel ferrar as a tabloid reporter not for the vampire oh, the, be, the one-toothed vampire <laughs> with the big cape and the pig face yes well come on if you've seen it miguel ferrar steals that whole movie doesn't he oh he's amazing in that movie i fell in love with him in that movie he was so good because he's just... And his he's, character is such a scumbag. He is a complete scumbag, but you love how amazingly good he is at being a scumbag. I mean, he's, he's got a line when he's talking about... They didn't run the photos of his of the dead baby. He goes, do you know what I had to do to get those photos of the dead baby? Do you know how cold a morgue slab is? <laughs> that should tell you everything you need to know about his character in that movie. To get pictures of a dead baby. Oh well, Once Bitten's really funny. Uh, it's it's a shame that uh, that Jim Carrey does kind of um, disavow the movie. I mean, it would have been nice if they would have let him go a little bit more goofy, but uh, it's still uh, it's it's a good movie. And uh, Vamp, I haven't seen in a long time. I still I, I look. I'm with Beavis and Butthead. Grace Jones looks looks like Minute Bowl. So. I just I, I I like her. I think she's cool as hell, but I I've never found her attractive. <laughs> Once bitten is uh is a lot of fun. Um, it's just kind of a goofy movie, and I think it, it makes for a really good double feature with uh, stuff like Teen Wolf, just to kind of you know have fun watching you know uh, Jim Carrey play a vampire and Michael J. Fox play a play a werewolf in the most eighties ist type movies you'll see in probably it, a long time. It also has amazing self referential humor. Like, during yeah. the fight scene, you know, they're breaking down all the doors and windows to try and get to him, and the, the head vampire just goes, Will you idiots try a doorknob first? I have to replace every one of these doors tomorrow. And they turn the knob, <laughs> and it opens, and he goes, Hee hee And I'm like, that's hilarious. The other ones I, I haven't seen in a while, but remember liking them a lot. I'd, I'd say those those three are solid for sure. What is your list for ones we haven't talked about? that you would recommend. I'm sure From Dust Till Dawn is going to be on your list even though I hate that movie. Um I I do like that movie, but if I were if I were making a list, I would try to 
make movies, uh, make it with movies that uh, people maybe haven't seen yet. Not in a not in a hipster, I know more movies than you kind of way, but just I, I like introducing people to, to shit they maybe hadn't heard of. Uh, there was a, a movie I saw a little while ago. It's, it's on a set with like trauma releasings. It's not really their movies, but it's movies that they've gotten the, the, the distribution rights to. And it was a little movie called Rockabilly Vampire. Where I you do not do not know that one. It's really fun. It's it's got it's exactly as the title says. It's a it's a vampire who is a rockabilly type dude, and he's going from city to city because the gang of vampires that turned him are after him. It's a it's just a pretty cool little movie, and I think um, anybody that hasn't heard of it should really check it out if they're you know if they're into. Because it, even if it wasn't made by Troma, it's still it's still got this tinge of uh, it's it's Troma esque, I guess. So it, it it makes even more sense that they would release it. But it's it's a nice little um, underrated, lesser known movie that uh, is is really really a lot of fun. I think uh, definitely fun if you're if you're into the, like rockabilly punk uh, kind of stuff and just you know traditional vampire kind of shit. Like I think it, I think it's. Um, Definitely one that I would I would put on my list for sure. I can't really think of um, any others, but I, I'm, I'm just going to go with that one. I think I, I definitely recommend uh, Rockabilly Vampire. It's a, it's a cool little flick. I'll go with a, with some oddballs here. There was a, a 90s movie called Razorblade Smile that was a, about a... A girl from like the 19th century who becomes like a uh, who becomes a vampire, and it's more modern times, and she's now like an assassin who you know is is like an unkillable assassin, and so she goes out and is uh, doing all these different jobs, and then finds out that there's this whole cult of the Illuminati that's trying to go after vampires. It's um a little silly at times but um the the lead was really was cool and uh the it's it's a neat little movie to check out christopher lee uh Dram- uh dracula's risen from the grave i actually i saw this for the first time back in the late 90s is that um, the one where he gets frozen with the frozen in the ice and the blood drips down yes yeah, they're they're kind of all God. I I wouldn't even know myself. Like, I don't think I I haven't even seen all of them, so I don't know. This was just one that I, I really enjoyed. There was like the the town that was cursed because it was in the shadow of uh, of Dracula's castle, and it was it was a cool movie. Um, there was a there was a theater uh one state over that was doing a hammer thing, and so they had Dracula's Risen from the Grave, and they had Dracula 1972, and it was cool, because they were two that I had never seen before. Those two don't go together, though! Dracula AD 1972 goes to goes with Satanic Rites of Dracula! Uh, what well, the hell? I guess it was what they had prints of. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, but four and five are direct sequels to one another. What? Never mind. Yeah, I don't know. It was still cool. It was just neat being able to see these uh, old movies on uh, on the big screen. And uh, and then uh, I'll go with uh, the another ni- uh, '90s one, uh, Bordello of Blood, which I think is just hilarious. Uh, they they basically did you just say Dennis Miller was funny? Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller was funny in this. They they oh. they didn't like they they barely wrote they basically wrote a guideline for a script and they said all right just kind of you know ad lib yourself through the movie and and he did i mean yet yet angie everhart really really overacting on purpose uh just a lot of guys heart out with her tongue 
I think so. It's been a while. Because I, I think she like stuck her tongue down. Maybe it was Corey Feldman's throat and pushed his heart out through his chest with it. <laughs> I have to admit, that's impressive. And, you know, I could think of worse ways to go. But it was, you know, all kinds of really goofy Dennis Miller, Miller things, all kinds of bad uh, intentional vampire puns. You know, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a it's a movie that uh, I haven't seen in a while, but I've watched it a ton back in the 90s and just think it's it was funny. And I, I still I'm not a huge fan of Dennis Miller, but I think, you know, given the right element and this was the right element, I thought it was very funny. And I'm it's coming out on Blu-ray soon. So, uh, yay. What are your final thoughts on what happened to vampires? Do you think that you liking Near Dark and things like that does put you in the same group of, with people that like Twilight and Lestat and stuff? I mean, they're all vampires, right? Are you, whether you like it or not, part of the same club that likes arguably True Blood because it's the same genre? as Near Dark, as Dracula, as Nosferatu, as Shadow of the Vampire, and so forth? I don't think so, and uh, and not to sound like a hipstery snob type, but those Too late. people that are... Yeah, yeah very true. Um, it's it's kind of... like they, they The people into Twilight and True Blood and Vampire, they just... I don't think they know what Near Dark is. I don't think they've ever seen it. I don't think they've ever... They maybe have I seen Lost Boys. hate it when they Boys. ain't been shaved. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't really see my... And it's not me, like, distancing myself from it or anything. I, I don't really... I just don't see myself in that same group because I, I really don't think they've seen a lot of the a lot of the same kind of stuff. I really... I don't think they've ever even heard of, of Near Dark. Uh, I... I... Uh, there's there's a difference in in all kinds of uh, depictions of vampires. Uh, sometimes the vampires are the good guys. Sometimes they're the bad guys. Sometimes they're both overly sexy creatures that can't stop f***ing each other. Uh, and then there's other ones where it's the the whole vampire thing is kind of a um, metaphor for something else. So vampires can be a lot of things, and then other times they can just be uh, the creatures of the night. So I I would like for them to kind of get back to vampires being a little more ass-kicking. You got to go where the money is. So eventually, you know, this current wave of sissy vampires will die down, and then maybe we'll go back to uh, the way that they they used to be. I I think you have more confidence than I do, because... I, I don't think the genre is recoverable at this point. I mean, yes, there's always been, you know, since the 80s, we've had the Lestats and stuff like that. I don't think it's ever been this bad. I, I don't think the vampire is a recoverable part of, of horror cinema any longer. I think no matter what, Stephanie Meyer did so much damage, you can't repair anymore. Stephanie Dave- Meyer did more damage than she ever could possibly know. You, you're not going to recover. You're, you're trying to put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. All you can do is stop the bleeding, no pun intended. Cecil, if people want to watch you suck blood, where would they do so? Uh, you can watch me suck at uh, escapistmagazine.com, <laughs> goodbadflicks.com, uh, geekjuicemedia.com, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all that fun stuff. At this point, would it just be easier to say where you're not? I, I think so. <laughs> I am very worldly on the interwebs. Now, Peter... Where can people find you being the sucked? Uh, you can find me being the, the sucked, uh, hanging upside down with a 
Platinum Blonde Mulleted Kiefer Sutherland at Cinematica on Twitter, on YouTube, The Cinemasochist, on Facebook, The Cinemasochist, and on 1201beyond.com. Alex Winter cannot be a cool vampire with permed hair. He just can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Kiefer Sutherland was fine. Alex Winter had permed hair. No. <laughs> no, you're not cool. I love you, Alex Winter, but no. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And remember, go to 1201beyond.com, buy some T-shirts, click on some links, and go to adamandeve.com and find something to suck or be sucked with.
Radio Drome is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.